Hello and welcome to Archimedes, the evidence-based section of the Archives of Diseases of Childhood podcast. We are thrilled to bring you another month's worth of delight and delectation when it comes to evidence-based thingies. We've got an interview about infants with delayed cord separation and leukocyte adhesion deficiency. We've got a chat about the use of spinal fusion surgery and scoliosis in kids with cerebral palsy, only special ones of course, not everybody. And we've also got a thing all about the intricacies of understanding some diagnostic tests. Now, it is generally said that if the question is all or none, then the answer is always no, because there's always exceptions. And that's sort of true. But in the realm of diagnostics, practically speaking, there are ways of having things that actually make a difference if they are powerful enough in terms of their sensitivity or specificity. These get referred to in the evidence-based medicine land as spins or snouts. Mostly, as you'll be aware, test results don't actually give you an answer. They more sort of nudge you one way or the other. Take PET scans in my realm of cancer, for example. If there's a, a glowing chunk on the left lower lobe and a mediastinum that is brighter than the set of a 1980s sci-fi drama, or, or, or take and uh, the sky-high faecal calprotectin in a kid losing weight with sloppy stool. Now, the PET might be interpreted as being stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma, and the calprotectin might be interpreted as diagnosing ulcerative colitis or another inflammatory bowel disease. But it might be a pneumonia, complicating a stage 2b bulky Hodgkin's disease, or it might be the side effects of immunotherapy in the kid with a sloppy stool, particularly if they're one of my patients. The, the test itself nudges you, and some tests nudge harder than others, but very occasionally there is a test that is so incredibly sensitive, every single patient with that disorder tests positive. Now that's a massively useful test for ruling out the disorder. It doesn't matter if there are those who don't have the disease who test positive as well, because if you get a negative test, everybody with the disease has a positive test. So if you get a negative test, then you do not have the disease. You can remember this as a snout. A sensitive test with negative results rules out the condition. Now, if you flip that, that's also true. Some tests correctly identify everybody who isn't affected. That is, they have perfect specificity, the proportion of patients without the disease who are correctly identified by the test. In these cases, even if they're only positive in, in half the patients with the disease, if you get a positive result, the patient has the disorder. This is the SPIN, specific test positive result rules in the condition. Now mostly tests will nudge you one way or another. They often nudge you enough to make a diagnosis, particularly in the setting of the right clinical environment or supportive other tests. We should be asking tests, we should be understanding tests, and just occasionally we should actually believe a test when it comes back and gives us the answer. The other topic that we have this month is a question raised by Catherine Lavoski of the West Hertfordshire Hospital NHS Trust down in Watford. The question is, 
in children with cerebral palsy does spinal fusion surgery for scoliosis improve lung function and this is a scenario of working in an outpatient clinic in the respiratory area where you meet a 12 year old who's got level 4 cerebral palsy he's got a left-sided scoliosis and the cob angle is 80 degrees and the t11 to l4 and he's being considered for scoliosis correction surgery you're seeing them because of assessing respiratory function before they go in for the operation now, the idea of the surgery is to improve quality of life in general, but you wonder, what about if straightening the spine also made a difference to lung function? The structured clinical question that emerges from this is, in children with cerebral palsy and scoliosis, does spinal fusion surgery improve lung function? It's not compared to anything else, it's just a standard three-part sort of question. Is it actually going to make a difference? They went away and they searched Cochrane, they searched PubMed, and they went through the NHS Evidence Library to see what they could find there. Putting all of this together, there were only three indirectly relevant things, and really, after searching through a whole bunch of stuff, came up with two directly relevant to the question. Those studies that were directly relevant to the question were really just one case report and a retrospective single centre study of 42 patients who had undergone surgery for severe scoliosis but also had some form of underlying condition. In that study, only 17 of the 42 that were in it were actually had cerebral palsy. That direct evidence would suggest that there is improvement in lung volume on x-rays, but actually when they looked at severe pneumonia or, or, or pneumonia that caused a child to be admitted to hospital, there was no difference in infection rates or pneumonia rates pre and post intervention. So, so is there any indirect evidence? We know a lot about indirect evidence in paediatrics drawing from adult studies often or, or other conditions. And there's actually quite a lot on Duchenne muscular dystrophy with studies of bringing cohorts together of between 50 and 60 odd patients looking to see how things have changed in actually in lung function, a more sort of formalized approach. The results aren't entirely similar across these studies, but, but broadly suggest that worse respiratory function is associated with a worse cob angle or sort of a more bent scoliosis. The operation probably either improves lung function a bit or, or in the DMD group, probably more reasonable to suggest that it, it slows the decline on lung function a little bit. But there are issues with bringing a degenerative muscular condition like Duchenne muscular dystrophy in as a support to cerebral palsy with scoliosis different conditions different pathways different ways of working even though the sort of the physical lung being more opened up with a straighter back might be considered to be similar it is one of the great challenges of applying this in different ways and if you're looking for evidence, even drawing in that indirect stuff, there really are insufficient data to draw a really firm conclusion on the effect of spinal fusion surgery. The risks and the benefits of the surgery, like in any operation in some sense, need to be weighed up on an individual patient basis. And, and it's probably best to do it for all the other areas of quality of life. And that if you were doing it mainly to improve lung function, Looking at the evidence that's out there, 
it would be best not to play that in as the major part of the equation. You too can be part of the Archimedes experience. You can be interviewed, you can write something, you can maybe even do a song and dance for us, although that would be a first for the podcast. Please follow the instructions to authors on the website. Do feel free to feedback on our input and our podcasts and everything we do. And we look forward to be able to speak to you next month. Thank you for listening.